Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Show Max, an African streaming service, has dethroned Netflix for the top spot in the motherland and all but made Amazon Prime Video quit with its vast library of local content. Many early adopters of the Apple Vision Pro have returned their devices, citing reasons stemming from discomfort to lack of application support. Some social media platforms who collect vast amounts of information on us are working out deals to sell our data to AI companies to train their algorithms. And our chatbots used in customer service liable for the things it says? Air Canada says no. We've got all this and more for you in episode 118 of The Tech John. From Columbus, Ohio, I'm your host, Rob Dunwood. And coming out of Philly, it's your girl, Tech Life Steph. And out of Atlanta, this is Terrence Gaines, a.k.a. Brother Tech, a.k.a. Happy Sweet 16th to my daughter. Her birthday is coming up this week. And also, a.k.a. I'm on part 25 of Who the Fuck Did I Marry? If you know, you know, uh, definitely go on TikTok and do a search for who the F did I marry? You, you, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a nice long, uh, what's the word, uh, a breakdown of this young lady and her meeting and getting into a relationship with and marrying this guy. And ain't all it's, she thought it was going to be. So she kind of breaks down. It's like a, just a, like a extended thread. On social media, it's, it's like a long TikTok thread of her chronically doing her her current her current relationship from when she met him, when they got together, when they decided to live together, when they got married, and everything that kind of follows that. Ah, interesting. It's a nice little it's a nice little story. It's one of those. It's I'm pretty sure during the week you'll probably see all the think pieces and YouTube responses or reactions and think pieces. You'll see all that this week, but uh, just, just say I didn't warn you. Right. Okay. Well, I, I will have to go check that out. Yeah, I, I'm always looking a, for interesting comments. She might get a movie out of it. Like uh, Zola did look, when look, she did that. I actually after, watched that movie. On Prime. Yeah, it was, it was, it was wild. It was wild. I was like, if this is what really happened to this girl, I mean, it should have been a movie. Honestly. Yeah, and this this kind of follows the same thing. Um, half of me, again, the cynic in me is like, I don't trust nothing I see on social media. So I would not be surprised if this is a stunt. But at the same time, I'm willing to suspend my disbeliefs and my hangups and be like, all right, well, let's see what this goes. So <laughs> interesting. Yeah. So you say you episode twenty five? Yeah, it's like fifty something. It's just okay. like t- 10 minute blocks. So she runs up that whatever her that, that limit TikTok is on TikTok. Timer, yeah. 
she's up to the thing and then she clicks and then keeps on going and clicks and keeps well, on going. And, and that's okay. really the, the point mm-hmm. is to keep you going and, mm-hmm. and she's racking up them views and, and that money. So I it, it must be working because the fact yeah, that this is I what you kicked I'm off your AKA it. as you if, talking about it. If I'm talking about something that has attracted me on social media, knowing that it may be a setup, but I'm still in. Mm-hmm. She did her job. Yeah, she did her job. Because I'm always like, <laughs> watching TikTok like this. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so y'all, let's go ahead and jump into some of these tech stories. And the first one, we're we going to have to go over to the motherland. We have to go over to the continent of Africa because, uh, you know, I think that everybody knows Netflix. And I don't know if if most people realize how much bigger Netflix is in literally every other streaming uh, platform. So Netflix is, is number one. Um, about a hundred million behind them is Amazon Prime, but here's the difference with Amazon Prime. Uh, I should say Amazon Prime video. Everybody that has Amazon Prime video did not subscribe to Amazon Prime video. They're getting it as a byproduct of that, those Amazon accounts that they have. So when you look at, well, who do they really think is number two? It's kind of like Disney that is, that is, that is way back. And then everybody else is, I don't want to say a rounding error, but literally hundreds of millions of, of followers back. So Netflix is still the thing when it comes to streaming pretty much everywhere um, on earth, but not in Africa because this company Showmax sits at the top of the market with a vast library of local content partnerships uh, with Con- uh, Comcast and HBO exclusive access to the biggest football leagues in the world. They've got, they're basically putting the content out that folks in, you know, in Africa are, are, are really into. So it's like, okay, they could care less about American football. We need to get soccer up on here. It's like, and then we also want to get original content that is being made in Nigeria, that's being made in Ghana, that's being made in Botswana, that's being made in South, uh, you know, um, South Africa. So all of these English speaking countries, you know, the, the thought for a lot of these other platforms was just put English content on them and they're going to be fine. It's like, no, Nigeria's got, you know, it's one of the biggest countries on earth. We have movie production houses over here. We have TV production houses over here. We want to actually see our own content. So that's what Showmax has done. And they're actually able to edge out uh Netflix. I just thought that was a pretty impressive that, you know, you can have, um, you know, a homegrown, uh, you know, uh, m- media platform that's going to do better than this big behemoth that has all these billions of dollars behind it. It makes sense when you really think about it, but I wanted to get you guys this take. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, what I see happening here, cause, you know, the, the, the sort of follow on to the Netflix piece was the Amazon Prime piece that you, you included the link for as well. And, and they specifically were like, yeah, we, we just ain't doing Africa no more. <laughs> we're going to focus on Europe basically and, and let Africa do Africa. And what it sounds like is happening is these larger media conglomerates are sort of leaving the continent to itself and, 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 and the Middle East as well. But what I see happening is this show max, you know, growing to this big entity and then Netflix absorbing it. Honestly, I just feel like they don't want to do the work of trying to do just that thing that you just said, Rob, which is, you know, understanding local, uh, Tastes and and customs and entertainment and 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 likes and dislikes and they're gonna let Showmax do all the heavy lifting of of building that audience with all of those things and then they'll just buy Showmax. That's what I see happening. So is the announcement or this 
uh, news that Amazon Prime is discontinuing support in Africa and the Middle East, a response to Showmax gaining popularity, or are they just like nine coincidentally Showmax is blowing up at the same time Amazon is like, man. I think it's two things happening at the same time because, uh, I want to say, according to this article, Amazon's got like fewer than 300,000 subscribers mm-hmm. on the continent. I mean, it's not, we're not talking about people think of Africa like it is, like it is the United States. It is not. It is, right. an, it is a very large continent that has a lot of countries in it. So when you talk about Amazon Prime, they are talking about the continent or at least I would say sub Saharan, you know, continent, uh, where, where there are a lot of English speaking countries. That's, that's generally where Amazon Prime was trying to play. And it was just like, nah, we out. Let's go ahead and go do this stuff over in Europe. Right. Let's stick with what we know, basically. And and I just like I said, I think they, you know, I I see Netflix buying out Showmax before I see Amazon trying to get back in the in the mix. But I, I think they're going to let the little guy do all the heavy lifting and, and the work of building the audience and, um, and, and it, then take them. It, it could be one of those things to where maybe that's not the case because uh, Showmax is actually partnering with some pretty big media companies. I mean, they're partnering with HBO. Mm-hmm. So HBO content is there. They're partnering with Paramount. So Paramount content is there. But what Showmax is doing is that they're also partnering with local media houses and they're getting that local content. So, I mean you know, for, for, you know, for, for Americans, when we think about TV, we think about what comes on inside of the United States. There's a lot of other content, you know, especially if you watch Netflix, like, you know, there are a lot of shows you're going to get from the UK and Europe that are English speaking. It's like, oh, that's, that's good content, but it's not the same as watching a show that is homegrown here. And I think that when you're talking about countries that are the size that they are, like you know, just Nigeria is over, what is this? 250 million people or 220 million people. But, um, it is, it is ginormous. So there's tons of local content there that, uh, you know, Showmax is partnering with companies there that can put that content on. So, yeah, what do you, you know, if you're, if you're interested in watching, you know, shows like, why do we do the tech, John? Because we want to talk about tech and not just talk this just about black folks, but we want to talk about tech and how it affects black folks and, you know, and, and people of color. Well, it's the same thing there. It's like, why would I want to just watch TV shows that are made in Europe or made in the United States if I can watch TV shows that are made here? And, and that's what they're doing. So I and, applaud them. It is really interesting to me that they, they were able to knock off a of Netflix. And probably since uh, Africa is a continent with a whole bunch of different other countries with different languages, different cultures, different ways of doing things. Um, like you mentioned, Netflix views Africa as a continent. So they're like, all right, well, if they are in the, the little content that they do have, they want it to cater to all of Africa versus I'm assuming Showmax is probably really drilled down and can get those little cultural, you know, country to country, um, culture by culture references that will make the show more entertaining and they probably work with those smaller since they're going from a ground up and they're like the underdog they're probably working with smaller um distribution development production houses so they can get that stuff up quicker versus netflix us trying to pitch the tech john the show to netflix it's like you better off trying to get struck by lightning versus us going to like a Tubi for just for as an example, right? I'm not saying Tubi is this homegrown startup or anything like that. No, but can. the reason why Tubi is blown up 
is because they're willing to accept content from anybody, the same people who wouldn't get those eyeballs. So I look at show Max as I, we're going to get these eyeballs from these small local cultural uh, references. And that seems to work versus trying to cater to the entire continent. You made reference to the app and is it easier to find content. And that is one of the things that they're doing. So let's say that you are in South Africa, you might see, and I'm just, I'm, you know, this is, this is just Rob putting his idea of how this might work. You might see shows like Queen Sono come up because that's where that show is shot. Or if you're in Nigeria, you might see shows that are shot in Nigeria come up in your feed first because they're geolocating where you are and not just saying continent of Africa, here's your content. And you have to go, okay, well, you know, I, I like this show and I like that show. So I think their interface is allowing you to do a lot of that, but I'm just, I'm always rooting for underdogs. I, li- I like to see. Uh, that there is a, a, a local company, um, you know, or I should say, a, you know, an African based company that is able to compete with the likes of Netflix because they are serving their audience better than what Netflix is and definitely better than what Amazon Prime is. You know, Amazon Prime say they hey, we, we about to get up out of here. Um, but now that I'm, I didn't get a chance to actually read this entire article. So I've been perusing it as you were, were mm-hmm. talking. Um, in March, 2023, Comcast, the parent company of Universal Pictures, NBC, Peacock, Sky, DreamWorks Animation, and Telemundo, bought a 30% stake in Showmax through NBC Universal. So instead of Netflix, I, 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 I mm-hmm. amend my fir- my initial statement from Netflix to Comcast, basically. I, I'd still just see, you know, I, while I applaud mm-hmm. the, you know, the, whoever is running Showmax for doing what they've been able to do and getting this sort of market penetration that can take over a Netflix here come Comcast, um, you know, bringing up the rear. And, and, and I, and I, I still sort of stand behind the idea that these larger companies are just letting Showmax do their, the work for them and, and, and are going yeah. to come in and swoop in with the money at, at, on the back end once the audience has already been built and it's, and it looks like they're already starting to do that. So I'm, I'm not yeah. mad at Showmax. I want Showmax to be successful. I want everybody, you know, that they're working with to continue to be able to work, but this kind of is how it, you know, it's capitalism. Starts. This is kind of how it goes. Yeah. This is kind of how um, it goes. Yeah, and if, and if I was making it seem like that was not the case, that that was possible, <laughs> that was not my intent. I, you know, I, I don't know who started Showmax. I don't know that it is a black owned thing or, or, or not. I just know that they are catering to people locally so folks if you have a choice it's like oh this is just it's better content for me i'm going to go over here then go over to netflix definitely than going over to amazon prime and hopefully they stay that way and this isn't like a upn situation or or an early fox situation where you i mean i don't know how you yeah. flip i don't know how you flip it in a, in a whole continent yeah. of of people of color but you know, people well, will shoot. find a way. It, it, it tears you through out Tubi. Let's definitely hope that it's not like what uh, Fox was, because if we, you know, we are old enough to remember back in the day, you know, when you watch Fox, you was watching the black shows. That's where you was watching right. New York Undercover. That's where you was watching all Martin. That's where you was watching Living Single. That's where you was watching, uh, you know, all of all of this content that kind of catered to us. And then all of a sudden it got big. These shows got big. And they said, Let's do the switcheroo. Let's do Fox exactly. News now with that with that money. Exactly. So Tubi is also owned, and I know that we didn't have this in our in our show notes, but Tubi is also owned by the Rupert Murdoch family. So when you think about 
what is happening. Um, your boy Roland Martin uh, did a piece on this uh, tech life stuff. He uh, was basically talking about it's like y- y'all be need to be careful with all this to be you know to be TV because this is, this is what they did with Fox. It's like mm-hmm. you know you went and you had all of this content and it's like and it was great and we loved it. Why? Because it was where we could go to get the kind of content we wanted. And then once that money really started rolling in, okay, let's take that money and let's fu- you know let's fund Fox News. And yeah. then it all changed. So well, now, right now. I think they're doing something similar. There's a, uh, uh, random, I, well, I guess I don't know if I actually call it random or not, but there's a station way up on the, on the dial, if you will, on the cable dial called Dabble, D-A-B-L. And they used to be all, uh, like home. It was like a HGTV basically. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but like a, like a lower budget sort of HGTV. But I love, I love those type of shows. I watch design shows all the time. So mm-hmm. I was down, me and Dabble was, was kicking it. They have switched Dabble's entire programming to black shows now. They are mm-hmm. literally running, um, girlfriends, one on one, half and half, the Parkers, and they literally mm-hmm. just run the same episodes every day like and i watch those too because i love them you know what i mean Mm -hmm. i love me some girlfriends but i'm curious to see what they're really trying to do with that network because they Mm -hmm. literally changed the entire format overnight and it was just it was literally overnight because i was watching it i was watching you know uh this old house and then the next day i was watching girlfriends so <laughs> it, it'll be interesting to see what they do with that network you know in a similar way that it'll be interesting to see what happens with Showmax once they get the uh you know traction and market penetration that i'm sure the comcast is waiting for them to get mm-hmm. and i wouldn't be surprised dabble uh when they did that about face probably got their ears to the ground and know that we peeped game about mm-hmm. tubi Mm-hmm. Not just throwing content up there, but we know the originators. We know where the money's really going, where the money's really coming from. And they're like, all right, y'all want a, another option? We, we, you can see the framework and it's built just for y'all. So right. bring, bring your little, bring your little projects, bring your little productions, bring them on over here. We were, we'll see because it was, it was very abrupt. And I mean, they like, you know, all of the, you know, advertising that happens, you know, in the thing and the, the, the marketing of the, network itself is different it's very you know get into it is the slogan i'm like okay let let me guess there's there's way more advertising now no way there i would imagine that the the, the number of commercials you have to watch per episode have probably significantly increased absolutely so Uh, i was like damn devil what you doing what we doing now so and uh have y'all been paying attention at all to byron allen with him um trying to buy buy everything uh, everything i think he offered was like 8.2 or 8.3 billion dollars for it uh, which is it's it's definitely a premium over what the uh, stock is right now but it's like yeah he's uh he's trying to get that now uh there in the article it says that He's tries to buy a lot of things that mm-hmm. it, it hasn't necessarily succeeded. But it's like, no, he has succeeded a lot. It's just that I think that he's trying to, I'm going to keep asking. Y'all can keep telling me no. And I'm just, okay, I'll go ask this company. I'll go ask that company and, and see what we can get. But he is definitely trying to build that media empire. Um, not like Paramount, that would be. That, yeah, that's that, huge. you know that, yeah. that's 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 huge. I mean, not that what he's already done is not huge, but that you right. know, it's like. But that know, would put him, you know, on a Rupert Murdoch level. Yeah, honestly. So, so if there's any news on that, we will definitely, um, you know, come back and talk about that one. So, y'all, in this next story here, uh, last week, uh, last Friday was the two week. I, I, I guess can you call that anniversary from the launch of the Vision Pro? 
and a ton of folks were returning them. I mean, like in, in droves. Now I'm going to, I'm going to say it like this. I think that a ton of people were returning them. That was always the plan. They weren't the Marquez Brownleys of the world. They weren't the average consumers of the world. They weren't the tech me outs of the world to where they could get them early and do the reviews and then send them back. They had to go shout out their own money and get them, do their reviews, play with them for a couple of weeks, determine whether or not they want to keep that $3,500 device and then send them back. So I think that a lot of the returns are people who were just doing that, but. There's probably a lot of validity and truth to what people were saying. So it looks like these things are just relatively uncomfortable. Um, they're really, really front heavy. So you have to almost be, you, you can't like sit at a desk and be typing. You almost need to be laying back so that you can actually take some of that strain off of your neck. Now folks say that, well, you get used to it after a while, but people are saying it's like, you know, it's causing me headaches. It's, you know, causing me motion sickness and stuff like there that. Is, so there is no circumstance where you pay. $3,500 for something you have to get used to after a while. You should <laughs> yeah. be able to pop yeah. that thing on your face. It should fit perfectly. It should be balanced. It should not give you headache. That thing should not do any of those things. And the fact that, you know, that's those are the complaints that we're hearing mm-hmm. um, is just, it, it, I wouldn't have expected as many of those from an Apple product, uh, especially an Apple product that was so expensive. But I guess here we are. It's it's not just uh, the comfort. Also, what people are saying, and this is this is what uh, Lamar said when he was on a few weeks back, that it is the most ridiculous vice device he's you know that he's seen for watching and consuming content for watching video, but the use case. Is that if the if, if you ever think you were going to get this for this level of productivity or you're going to get this for that, the applications aren't there yet. So that's another big reason. It's like I just spent thirty five hundred dollars. What else can I do with this except for run a few really nice applications that launched with it uh, and, and, and then, you know, and then watch video. So for thirty five hundred dollars, that's what folks don't want to do. But I think they knew that, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> I think people knew that this was going to be something new, something different. And there ain't going to be a whole lot of support in the sense of I'm going to get my money's worth. Right. I think people knew that uh, Apple tried to promote it as all oh, productivity and this and that and the third, but with social media. And like you mentioned, everybody's trying to, you know, uh, make a name for themselves, you know, grow their brand. You know, um, the Apple vision pro was a, you would be crazy not to buy it. Do what you need to do to get your views, to get your production, get your videos up and then take it back because it's new and it's not proven yet. So that's like, all right, well, that's the perfect out. I can try it. Say it's heavy. Say I get headaches. Say there's no killer app. Say there's I haven't figured out the killer use case for this. So I'm going to turn it back. And that makes perfect sense because people, people we watch the videos that the people put up and say, you know what? That's right. Or I don't agree with that. You know, either way. It's doing what it was supposed to do. You know, again, $3,500 is a lot for somebody to just buy it and then keep it and say, oh, I'm okay with it being new and I'm okay with being zero or first gen. And when the new one comes out, that's cheaper. I'll get that one too. You know, that's a lot, you know, but the majority of these people who are turning these back, they knew the time they walked in that door, this thing was going back in two weeks, regardless of whatever underlying issues that they discovered. (laughs) <laughs> in the course of shooting that TikTok. <laughs> right, right. I it know, still so. feels like 
VR headsets in general are solutions looking for problems. Yet, like yet, yet. we just, yeah, we just, we are not there yet. I'm, I haven't literally not taken my Oculus out of the box ever. <laughs> like I took, I did an unboxing video to your point, Terrence. I, I used it and I, I got mine as a gift, thankfully. Uh, but I did an unboxing video and I did have it, you know, on for a minute. I don't have a ton of space in my um, apartment. So like you have to like, block out that space, uh-huh. your safe space or whatever. So, the, you know, it was a little limiting because I just couldn't do a ton of things with it uh, because of space considerations. But even if I could, I I wouldn't be pulling that thing out every day to uh-huh. work out or whatever. It just, it's, it's a, a solution looking for a problem right now. So here, here's my thought on this. Until the Vision Pro can be one of two things, significantly less expensive. Like I'm talking about, they probably need to shave two, less you know, than, than two grand yeah. off of that easily, if not more than that, until they can do that, because that'll get it into a realm of, if, 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 that's just an expensive cell phone at that point. Okay. I, I, I can justify that. It's just hard to justify 3,500. And it's really not $3,500. Once you buy the case, once you upgrade the memory and this, and that, you know, the other, you're probably up over four grand for it. So that's just a lot of money. But the other thing is that when they can, you know, all three, of us wear glasses when they can get it like this so i'm thinking of like if they can get it down to where it's like the um what is it the uh the, the ray-ban um uh, the ray-ban was the met, met, metas or something metas, something yeah. like that until they can get it to that size to where you're just wearing it and you just tap a button and all of a sudden you you know you, you, the screen just goes over and you're now looking at in your regular glasses i think until it gets to that point I don't know that VR is ever going to be as utilitarian as we ever thought it was. I, you know, um, j- just for regular folks, because people don't tend to just want to walk around wearing motorcycle helmets that you interact with your world through the motorcycle helmet. Yes. And I mean, unless we, you know, get shut down again, um, God forbid. Well, yeah. Now, yeah. If this device would have came out in like 2019, 20, early 2020, yeah. I don't know if many people would be sending them back and they probably would have made right. more. I can but, definitely uh, see pulling the Oculus out if I have to stay in the house. Uh, but, but yeah, otherwise it just, it just don't make sense. Mm-hmm. So, so here's, here's the next part of this. So uh, last week, your boy, uh, Mark Zuckerberg, I don't know why so many people are giving this man flack over what he did, but, but he essentially did a video where in the video he said that at first he thought that he was going to say that the, the, the Meta Quest three was a better bargain. But then after using the vision pro for a while, he's decided that it is actually the better, uh, you know, virtual, uh, headset. That you could do more with it. There's more things that you can do. And uh, he just thinks it's better. And people are lambasting him. It's like, what did you think the man that owns the company that makes his device is going to tell you? Did, did you What's actually think that there's any chance he's going to come out and tell you? Yeah, it's like, you know, I don't buy my device that costs one because he kept saying it's it, this one seventh of the price. Go buy this more expensive device that don't have nothing to do with us. I don't understand why people are like, you know, saying that he's being, you know, disingenuous and stuff like that. It's like, no, he sells a device. He's being he very, he's man. being very genuine. He is genuinely telling you his opinion because his opinion needs to be that his device is better and um, that you should be buying his device because it is one seventh of the price. I want to say he said that three, four times in his video. He's being petty. 
because it's like, don't you got better things to do than be messing around with Apple's Vision Pro? How about Pro? moderate your content on exactly. your Exactly. How, how about yeah, you protect I mean, these kids you online? Have, then you just get dragged into court mm-hmm. or into Congress to testify about why your content was so damaging to young people. Like, work on that. Work on that. Stop Stunts? putting out videos, right. dumb videos for no reason. Stunts like that lead me to believe that them people that he ripped off to create the social network were right <laughs> because he sounds... <laughs> petty enough to to do something like that for where like I mentioned it's like man you got a million other things to do you took time out of your yeah. day to 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 set dump, up a camera to, to, to dump on your competitor mm-hmm. for no other reason to just dump on the competitor we know the right. best and the vision pro ain't the same thing just based on the price totally different categories even mm-hmm. though the interface looks the same Apple has said this is something else this is something else right. we all for the price have said well this has got to be something else so ain't nobody comparing, but you taking your time to to do this little video. It's like, all right, we we know what time it is with you. <laughs> it's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at onepeloton.com. So y'all, this this next story here, Steph, I love how you title this. I'm just going to read it. <laughs> if you dream, D-R-E-A-M, then give us that cream, C-R-E-A-M. Now, everybody knows what cream stands What? No, many people who listen to the tech job know what cream means because we talk about it every week. Cash rules everything around me from those prophets called <laughs> the whoop. The but claim. I put the dream in there because I say that as well. And I've changed cash to data. Um, so if mm. data is ruling everything around me, then give me that cash for my data. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's crazy uh, where we it's not crazy. It, it, it makes perfect sense. Actually, we're starting to see now major online platforms farming out data, data for sale, basically. Data's always been for sale. Now, you know, let me preface all of this by saying I am aware that that is how these companies make their money. You know, Mm -hmm. our data has always been for sale, especially Mm -hmm. as it relates to social media platforms. That's why the platforms are free. However, I think, you know, when you start moving into a space where um, you're literally just you know, this, this level of transactional, um, thing, I think is a, is, is different than just, oh, let me sell these demographics to advertisers uh-huh. versus let me sell your actual data, the stuff you typed, the things you said, your thoughts, your photos, your whatever. Let me sell the actual data to brokers to train these large language models. Or I think there's a difference there. 
or let me use your data to build our product that then we're going to turn around and sell to you and sell back mm-hmm. to you. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah. So, so, you know, recently Reddit um, came out to say that they had reached a deal, um, a multi-million dollar licensing deal with an AI company. So um, about $60 million a year that they'll be making on people's data. Uh, and um, and then also the University of Michigan got in trouble and they, they tried to backpedal real quick, but they know they did that shit um, for s- selling some of their data, some of their students' data mm-hmm. um, and classrooms, the lectures and office hours and different things like that to an AI company as well. So, you know, this just the this is just the beginning this is literally just the beginning just the very tip of the iceberg you know as advertising shrinks ad revenue shrinks companies are going to realize oh we can just sell the actual data and make money that way and it's it's, it's just it's going to be a mess and it's i pose this and i pose this question on my snob os podcast last week to where it's like the val as valuable as our data is, not just for like, like we mentioned before, giving up my information in order to use your free network, uh, social media network, like Stephanie mentioned, like she mentioned, it's going beyond that. Mm-hmm. And now the question from us should be, should they be paying us? Yes. To collect our data if they're going mm-hmm. to use it to like Stephanie mentioned, sell it off to advertisers or like I mentioned, use it to build a new service that they're going to charge us for. Again, it'd be one thing for them to use our data, build this new platform, and then let us use it for free because we gave it the data. No, that's coming up. What's next is they are using our data to train AI for it then to create a product, good service, subscription, whatever the case may be, that they're then going to turn around and sell. Well, if my data was used to help you build this product, I should be able to share in the revenue or the profit uh-uh. sharing or whatever the case may be. And no longer is um me, you using my data valuable enough for me to say, for you to then say, oh, we made your smartphone better or we made the software in your phone smart enough to help you plan out your day. It's like, no, it sounds like my data is a little bit more valuable than that. Absolutely. And I need mm-hmm. you to cut that check. <laughs> Absolutely. Sadly. That's not going to happen. Meta, Meta at least is already showing us the blueprint, showing us what they want to do over in the EU. Laws are passed uh, that basically you have to give people an out. If folks don't want their data to be collected, they can opt out of getting their data collected. Okay, cool. You still want to use Facebook. It costs you so much per month to be able to use it. Still want to use Instagram. Costs you so much per month. So they're saying that this data is valuable to us. Uh, you can give us your data and then you can, you, you know, that you can use our platforms for free or you cannot give us access to your data. That's cool. We, we, we will not use your data per the law in your country. But if that's the case, you want to use our platform. You got to write us a check every but month. But the thing about it is I have zero confidence, like less than zero. I have negative confidence that if you opt out, they're not actually using your data. And, and we don't really have a good way to, to, to determine that, especially if they do remove all personal identifiers and markers and things like that. Like, I just don't believe that they're doing that. You know what I mean? And so it's, just, it, it basically amounts to 
if you're using these platforms, assume that your data is going to be used mm-hmm. as well. And the bad part is, you know, I think people, there are plenty of people that would not mind selling their data and, and wouldn't necessarily even require hundreds of thousands of dollars for it. Just give me some to, to show me that you know that what I'm giving you this has some sort of value. This is a transaction. Mm-hmm. What I'm giving you has value. You need it. I need this platform. Let's, let's, let's do some business here. You know what I mean? Like, let's, let's, let's get something popping. And, and you could come up with a, a number, like they've done different, uh, they have different data calculators on online now where you can calculate how much your data is worth. Mm-hmm. And it, it comes out to be like a dollar 80 cents or some, you know, on, depending on the platform. Give me my dollar 80 cents. Give me my dollar 80. Yeah. You know no. what I mean? Every, every <laughs> is- month. Run me a check. You know what I'm saying? And we, and we're good. Like you wouldn't even have to pay that much money, but they just refuse to do it. This data is way more valuable to these companies than you paying them a monthly fee, which is why you can't do it here. Why why can't we actually say, you know what? I want to sign up to a Facebook account where you're not scraping my data and using for anything because it's more valuable for them to be able to get the data and do what they will with it. Uh, because you signed a user license agreement that said that they could. So the only reason that this has happened in the European Union is because the law says that they have to offer this. And it's like, okay, we're going to offer it, but you know, we're not going to lose money. So these customers who want that, this is what they now need to pay. So I just, I, I think it's, it's very interesting and in, you know, how these companies are operating with all of this data, because if you guys remember, you remember the story, this is a few years ago where there was a woman where uh, the advertisers knew she was pregnant before she even knew she was pregnant. I, I remember vaguely. Yeah. Yeah. So the, she yeah, this was like is, this getting ads for cribs and yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's like, what's going on? It's like, it wasn't until like, you know, weeks later that she actually found out she was pregnant. It's like, Oh, okay. That's why. Um, but this is like pre generative AI, the way that we know it today. In fact, that might even been pre pandemic, uh, that, that, that story came out. So just think now that we're going to, you know, you're taking all this data. And as you were saying, Steph, it's not just our data. Like we were thinking that like Cambridge analytical type data. It's like, no, they're logging keystrokes. They're, they're, they're literally getting everything that you put into the system. They're now saying that is up for grabs mm-hmm. and they're going to use it to train these large language models and. Um, you know, we're going to move into this next story here, uh, you know, in just a moment, but it's just like, what do we always say? Do not voluntarily build Skynet. That is, that is, that is not what we should be doing out here. And it's, but th- it, that is where we're going. And then the, the risk though is that every, entity is going to start doing this. Like I said, I, you, you, you understand it from a social media platform whose main revenue was ads and now they got to figure out something else. And just the volume of data they get every day, all day, 24 hours a day sort of lends itself to this kind of thing. But a university like University of Michigan, where they were you know, recording office hours, you know, where you're having personal conversations with professors that are supposed to be off the record or, or confidential or things like that. And then, you know, hospitals now see another in, like once people get a real whiff of the type of income they can make from data, you know what I mean? Like you're going to have people would like, I have a website, you know, who's to say, I, and, 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 
uh, disclaimer, I would never sell anybody's personal data, but you know, I'm, I'm collecting email addresses and interacting with people and different, like, I mm. think everybody now, just the way, the same way every company's a tech company, every person on the internet can be a data broker now. or a brand. And, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Every, every person can do some sort of data brokering. So now mm. anytime you're interacting with any person online, you got to think about, you know, is this person collecting my data and, and what are they planning to do with it? And 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 they're going to see this quick snatch and grab and quick way to get a bag and everybody is going to start collecting data and they're not going to be um, prudent with how they store it. They're not going to be safe with how they secure it. They're and, not going to be honest with what they do with it. Be honest with what they do with it. And it's just going to be a data free for all, a, a data free for all. This is how valuable this data is. We talked about this in a story last week where Sam Altman, the CEO of OpenAI, basically went to, uh, you know, companies and governments around the world and said, I'm going to need about seven trillion dollars right fast and did not stutter when he said it. Mm-hmm. So if one AI company is saying we need seven trillion dollars in investments and semiconductors and stuff like that, so you can, you know, we need you to build the infrastructure so we can do what we really want to do when it comes to AI and did not stutter when he said it, you know how valuable all the data that they're using to train these systems are. So yeah, we, we, we probably need to look at this a little bit differently, but I just, I know how people are. It's like, I'm not paying to use Facebook. My data is already out there anyway. Just go ahead and do what you want to do with it. And I just wish we just call a bluff just one good time. And they'd be like, and we'd be like in mass, say, nah, for right. a month We or want so, our money. Yeah. We, we ain't using Facebook at all. Right. And Run me my and, money. And watch them flinch. <laughs> Run me yes, my I know money. That's a, I know that's a big wish sandwich. Yeah, but, exactly. You know, I just want us one time, power to the people. You know, we recognize and mobilize how whatever or whatever uh yeah. killer mike said yeah. <laughs> so so uh so so stuff this this is this last one we're going to talk about this is another one of yours and you put this in late so i, I had to go and read it but it's like is air canada tripping i mean tripping tripping okay <laughs> like i just said we do not want to build skynet why are y'all doing this with AI? So go ahead and tell a story. Like, you know, how did you write it? Is AI liable for what it says? Right. Uh, you know, so, so go ahead and tell us about what Air Canada's chatbots are doing and how so they're dealing af- with folks. So after months of resisting, Air Canada was forced to give a partial refund to a grieving passenger who was misled by an airline chatbot inaccurately explaining the airline's bereavement travel policy. On the day Jake... Jake Moffat's grandmother died. He immediately went to Air Canada's website to to book a flight, but he was unsure of how the bereavement uh, rates worked. So he had a conversation with the chatbot on the website and the chatbot provided inaccurate information, encouraging Moffat to book a flight immediately and then request a refund within 90 days. In reality, Air Canada's policy explicitly stated that the airline will not provide refunds for bereavement travel after the flight is booked. So he went off of what the chatbot told him to do and bought his ticket thinking he can get reimbursed for it. But their policy is actually that you have to uh, 
you know, I guess let them know that it's bereavement up front um, mm-hmm. to get your money back. So there was a disconnect between what the chatbot told him and what their actually policy was, and they did not want to give him his refund. Eight hundred dollars. That, that, that's why I say they're tripping. It's like so we're gonna we're gonna put these these AI bots that talk and sound darn near human. So when our people, you know, when our customers come and have questions, you talk to the AI and the AI is going to say whatever the AI says. And then, is, but if, 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 if what the AI says, our system that we paid money for to put in place to deal with our own customers does not uh, adhere to our policy because it gets it wrong. You're just on your own. Oh, yo. And most that, people don't. And, and their argument was Air Canada argues it cannot be held liable for information provided by one of its agents, servants or representatives, including a chatbot. It does not explain why it believes that this is the case or why the Web page titled bereavement travel was inherently more trustworthy than its chat. Like, how do you think you're not responsible yeah. for anything? So that they're so saying it would have been a human. They what, still would have paid for. That's nuts. So that this is, is nuts. how. This is how Skynet starts. And if you watch Terminator 2 or you watch all the movies, they always say, you know, Matrix, all of them, they always say the reason why we have to then attack AI is because AI has identified humans as the problem. We're the, mm-hmm. we're the, we're the, we're the germ. We're the virus. We are the problem. So therefore the robots have to get rid of the humans. That ain't how it starts. <laughs> the way Skynet really starts is, the AI is trying to help the humans out. It's like, all right, here's what you need to do. If you want to get your little refund, do this, do that, and the third. And then the company is like, oh, no, we need to get rid of AI. So then they <laughs> launched the, they launched the missiles yeah. to kill AI because AI is trying to hook the humans up on the hookup. It was not a preemptive strike. They were reacting. <laughs> they were the reacting. Money. But the it's like money. Th- th- this one is nuts to me because the way that uh, you just described it, they're saying that our agents, uh, we can't be helped for what our agents say. So to me, that sounds like if I call Air Canada and say, hey, what is your policy on this? And the person that works for your company tells me something that is incorrect. Right. That. I'm responsible for what they told me that's wrong, not the them. Information. That is that is nuts. It's insane. And it's, and it's, it's got to be legal. You know, some lawyers probably figure out how they could say it. But um, that would that would have me never wanting to fly on Air Canada. It's well, that insane. reminds me. But it reminds me of that Incredibles um, part where the um, Mr. Incredible is working at the insurance company mm-hmm. and the lady and the old lady is coming in trying to get an insurance claim. And he's like, all right. What I can't tell you is you're not supposed to get file form 230 and then right. deliver to what. And she's like, oh, she's writing it down. It's like, I'm not supposed to tell you whatever. And then he told her. And then the boss comes in. It's like, we do not. This is not how you do things. He's like, you don't give people their money. He's like, no. Right. Right. <laughs> well, my whole thing was like, why wasn't the AI trained? on the policies that the were on place. the website in the first place. Mm-hmm. Like, why would there be a disconnect between what the AI said and what it should have been trained on, um, which is the policies in the website? Like, I, you know, and, and to, to, you know, to further the Skynet uh, conversation, like this AI made this decision on its own, mm-hmm. like based on, you can, you can talk based about what, yeah, you can mm-hmm. talk about whether it was sentient or not, 
but it made the decision on its own to give this person incorrect information. So, you know, what is to keep an AI from making a decision on its own to launch a missile, you know, Mm -hmm. or to do a drone strike or to initiate, like there is no, there is no way to keep an AI from doing something like that. If you allow it this much freedom and latitude over your, over your systems and your processes, because the AI literally could have just, you know, did a quick scan of of its own website to say, oh, well, it looks like our policy is this when it, as it relates to bereavement, but it didn't. It was like, no, go ahead on. You got 90 days. I mean, just making shit up. You know what I mean? Like randomly making shit up. You got 90 days. Go ahead on and buy your ticket, boo-boo. You going to be all right. I'm sorry to hear about your grandmama. You know what Uh I mean? And, and, and did what it wanted to do instead of doing what the website, like, like, I, I don't understand how people don't see the inherent danger in this technology. I just, I just don't see it. I just, mm-hmm. I just don't see how people don't, or they don't, or they see it and don't care and, and are just continuing to just plow forward uh, with this stuff and, and just, you know, so, let the chips fall where they may. Yeah. I was trying to find it, uh, you know, when you were talking to stuff, but last week there was a story, I want to say it was some Amazon researchers that they basically uh, have, you know, have, have you know, trained uh, a large language model with an enormous amount of data. And once these things get so big, they start hockey pu- or hockey sticking to where what they understand and the level of conversation that they can have just skyrockets to where they're having very complex conversations and sounding real. Now, here's the kicker. They say that these things are not, you know, they're, they're not forming sentience, which I, which I do believe that they're, you know, this is, you know, this is not there yet, but they can't explain why they get so smart once they get big. Duh. It's like it's Duh. it's a lot. It's a you know. Once you get to this point, it's just way smarter than we than we anticipated. Why why is it hockey picking ho- or hockey sticking? They they don't know that concern people at some point. <laughs> it's technically a brain, like the, it, <laughs> it's it's called machine learning. <laughs> it's learning, <laughs> like it's in the title. Like I don't, I just, oh man. So yeah, so just taking it back to your, to, your, to your analogy, Terrence is like, okay, well maybe Air Canada's, uh, you know, their their AI has learned so much. It's like, oh, you know what. This person, this person is, is probably suffering right now. Let me help them out. Let, here's what you need to do to get this money back so you can go take care of family business. And now that now, now the AI is like, well, wait a minute. I, I did what I, you know, you trained me on this data. I did what I was supposed to do. Now you don't want me, you don't want me to do my job. Okay. Right. Y'all got to die. Uh, right. So. <laughs> right. Right. It's some bullshit, so, man. It's some bullshit. I, I just, I couldn't believe it. And then they only gave him a partial refund right. uh, at the end yeah. of all of this. Um, and I believe that the, um, they have disabled the chat bot. Saray asked if the AI got fired. They have disabled. It says when ours visited Canada, Air Canada's website on Friday, there appeared to be no chat bot support available, suggesting that Air Canada has disabled the chat bot. Air Canada did not respond to ours request to confirm whether the chat bot is still part of the airline's online support offerings. So, so it does appear that the AI got fired for not doing its job. So is, is, the, is, the, is the AI going to HR? It's like, hey, right, I, right. I, I did like, what I y'all did trained job. me. To, I did my job. I got all fives on my performance <laughs> review and now y'all let me go. <laughs> yeah, this this does not end well for humans, y'all. No, no. This does not all. end well for humans. Not at all. Not at all. 
So everybody, we are still in Black History Month. It is the month of February. So before we get to the end of our show, Tech Life Stafe, I believe you have got a spotlight. We're going to be talking about uh, what is it? Is it how do you pronounce this gentleman's name? Is it Tade? I believe it's Tade Oyende. Yes. Yeah, so, so yeah, it, it's it's probably exactly like it's spelled. It looks it's probably pronounced exactly like you spell it. So so tell us about Tade Oyende. Alrighty, so Tade Oyerende is the chancellor of campus.edu, an online community college focused on supporting students to complete their first two years of college without taking on any debt. Tade has dedicated his career to organizing capital, people, and technology to solve the most pressing challenges facing American higher education. He is also the founder of Campus Group and the creator of the Campus Wire online teaching platform, which is used by hundreds of thousands of professors and students across the country. In 2021, Tade was named to Forbes 30 Under 30 list of leaders in education. Back in 2018, Tade came up with the idea for an alternative to traditional community college after meeting an adjunct professor who slept on the floor of his office at the University of California, Los Angeles. The professor couldn't afford to live around where he taught. After launching in beta in 2022, Oyerende is taking his national community college startup campus to the next level and has raised $29 million in a Series A funding round led by OpenAI CEO Sam Altman and Discord founder Jason Citron. Among fellow investors were Figma founder Dylan Field, former head of Stripe, Lachey Groom, Bloomberg Beta, Founders Fund, Rethink uh, Education, Reach Capital, Precursor Ventures, and Shaquille O'Neal, who I believe is going to be a spokesperson now uh, for campus. As of May 2023, the online school has 800 enrolled students from 30 states and around 150 faculty members. Campus professors earn about $8,000 per class, which is double the national average for adjunct professors. You have these amazing professors, but they earn so little and they're suffering, Ayurende told the outlet. And the students the quality that they're getting at a local community college isn't always the best. So how can we help resolve both those concerns? The cost for one year of tuition at the community college is around $7,000. For students who are eligible, their tuition can be fully covered by a federal Pell Grant. In addition, campus provides laptops, Wi-Fi, and support services. Campus's mission is to help students avoid high debt for a bachelor's degree after transferring once they complete their coursework at the online community college so i thought you know shout out to old boy you know making education affordable for folks mm-hmm. um I, I i love that um I, I love that they're making education affordable um but uh college is not for everyone i, I i'm hearing just these horror stories where folks are going to school for four years and they're getting degrees in you know communications they're getting degrees in um philosophy with a minor in english and stuff like that with no perspective job outlook so you literally spend forty thousand dollars a year to go to school to get out to make thirty six thousand dollars a year right um when you could have started at a job making 28 and got to 30 you know and got to 36 literally within a year um without the college degree so you know we, or we go always to a two year or go to a two year to two year associates 
get yeah. the little certificate or whatever, and then figure out if I want to do the rest. Or you yeah. just may find out with just the two year degree under your belt, you may be off and You're running. Good, right? Yeah, right. And it doesn't have to be. You can go like I just saw one of my nephews, and he was telling me how excited he is that next year he's going to be going to. Uh, he's basically be doing skilled trades his last two years of high school. Mm-hmm. So he he wants to become a welder. Um, so that's what he's going to be. He's going to basically taking machining um, his last couple of years. And he was just telling me how excited he is. Are they going to help him get into the union once he gets? Hopefully there'll be a pathway to the union. From we him. didn't get that deep into it. I'm mm-hmm. talking with the 10th grader. But yeah. um, but the thing is, you know, he's going to, you know, you know, like his last two years of high school, he won't be going to the regular high school. He'll be going to the joint vocational school mm-hmm. to where he literally will spend two years working towards getting his journeyman's card. So I don't think that he would be done after two years of high school. I think that there might be an, an additional two years because it's probably four years to get. I don't know. I, I'm not a school trace person, but however long it takes, I don't know that just high school is enough to do it, but he's well on his way and would right. be very, very employable as soon as he graduates high school, probably even before. Um, so like I said, you know, we should always talk about those kind of programs as well, mm-hmm. because like I said, there was a, there was a TikTok story not too long ago where it was a, a young woman in New York who was talking about how she thought when she graduated with her philosophy degree um, <laughs> that she was going to be an influencer and I feel right. for it because now it's like you know I, I have to go out and find a job and I have $160,000 in student loans right. um, you know debt and I can't I, I'm trying to get a job as a barista I'm trying to literally get any job that I can yeah, so her this, problem this- is that we don't want to hire you because you have too much experience and say like, I have no experience I've never worked anywhere before but it's that degree that she has they think she's going to do that just until she you know jets and goes somewhere else yeah. which actually probably is the case culture but, got these yeah. kids fucked up basically yeah you said what? The what? Culture? culture oh yeah, 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 yeah. Up, you know thinking that that's and i'm not saying it's not a quote-unquote viable career path but that definitely should not be the main thing right out the gate right. you know what I mean You that needs to be the side hustle for a little while until you are able to sustain yourself doing this thing um, and, and people don't treat it like that and, 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 and you should and, like, and go I'm, get I'm a job I don't I don't want to clown this young lady for saying, well, that's what she wanted to do, because she's not saying that that was an excuse. Her thing is that, you know, I'm, I'm a year beyond where I probably should be. I should, probably should have been looking for jobs right out of college or actually when I was in it and doing yeah, internships and stuff like that. But it's just the fact that she has a whole four year degree graduated on the dean's list and cannot find a job anywhere. So this is where I'm, I'm talking to young folks about yeah, I'm, if, if college is your thing, I'm all for it. Just make sure when you go to college you're actually taking courses that are going to allow you to get gainful employment and or um, you know, doing the work in advance to set yourself up for when you graduate right. you know what I mean like you could be a philosophy major but you need to be doing internships every summer uh, I don't know what philosophy majors scholarships you do. and fellowships yeah, like, I don't know what leave. Where do philosophy majors work when they graduate? I have no, I'm, I'm not being facetious at all. I have no idea where they, where you go get a job after you've been a philosophy major, but you should have an idea if you are a philosophy major and you should be setting that up before you get out of school. That's just, it's just crazy to me that 
we just weren't allowed to do it. And yeah. I don't know if that was just a function of my HBCU, my yeah, illustrious I, HBCU. I actually have. We uh, weren't allowed to do that. You weren't allowed to leave school without a plan. Yeah, a, a guy that I worked with for years, uh, you know, and he's, he, you know, like, you, you know, a, a work friend. We haven't really stayed in contact other than, hey, how you doing once or twice a year on, on LinkedIn and stuff like that. But his degrees were in art history and philosophy. Why? Because, and he will tell you this, so I will tell you this, because that's where all the girls were. He, you know, for him, he, he thought he was going to be, so it's like, if I go take these classes, I could get one up on, on, on dating. Cause it's like, I, I'm not the most, how do you say it? I'm not the greatest looking guy in the world. So they need to think that I'm erudite. So they actually would have conversation with, and that was the they reason. They don't care he, if you erudite, if you that, ain't got no money. Exactly. But that, that's what he thought. And it was like, he started figuring out around the time of his senior year it's like okay where am i gonna go work because it's like okay i'm not trying to go philosophize i'm not trying to go work in the art museum so what i'm gonna do so he basically for his, his entire uh senior year and i think he even did like some post what do they call it when you've graduated but you still take some undergraduate classes that this was post undergraduate classes i think that's yeah, the actual name of it yeah. but he did that for like another semester so even after he graduated he took some additional classes so he could get a minor in computer information science so this right. dude with a philosophy and art major his history uh art, art art history and philosophy major uh took some computer classes so he could actually go get gainful employment and this is something he was doing back in the 90s so it's like it is way worse today in trying to find a job so i, I feel with folks on that but y'all it's uh it's about that time so let's go ahead and uh wrap up tech life stuff why don't you uh tell folks how they can get at you you can follow me all around the web at tech life stuff or check out my website at stephaniehumphrey.com and you can find me all over the internet at Brother Tech. That's B-R-O-T-H-A-T-E-C-H. And I'll tell you where you can find me in a second, but I do want to say that if you would like to support the Tech John, uh, you can do so by becoming a patron of the Tech John. You can do that by heading over to patreon.com forward slash the Tech John. That is the Tech J-A-W-N. We've got multiple tiers over there, any one of which gets you access to our live stream and after party. So if you would like to support the show, that's one of the ways you can do it. Head over to patreon.com forward slash the Tech John. And you can also find us pretty much everywhere at the Tech John. And you can find me at Rob Dunwood in all those same places. So until next week, when we meet again peace peace even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.